The views and opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay. You're turning into you're tuning into Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR ninety six point five FM fourteen sixty AM. Your talk radio. This is Dr. Patty, and we're going to talk about lifestyle changes today. Uh, some of you are probably going, "Oh, I know, I need to do that." I think everybody in the whole planet needs to make some lifestyle changes but let's let's narrow the focus down to just ourselves today we cannot make lifestyle changes for anybody else we can only do it for ourselves so i thought about calling this show stop it start it because lifestyle changes are about stopping doing nasty stuff that you do that you shouldn't do and starting doing healthy stuff that we all know we should be doing so i want to go into not only what are lifestyle changes and maybe how do you begin to make a few, but I think it's really important to talk about why we don't make lifestyle changes. Why do we resist? Why do we mean to and then we don't? Or why do we start and do it for just a little bit and then we can't hold on to it? Those are important factors for you to understand in order for you to begin to change how and why you do lifestyle changes. Because if you can go about it in a way that's possible to keep sustaining it, then you can hopefully make the changes that will make your life easier, nicer, happier, healthier, which is what we all want. All right, so let's let's look at the idea of why do people resist lifestyle changes. We know that about 70% of health problems today can be prevented which means they're prevented by our changes in behavior or our, us doing healthier things, not unhealthy things. So if we know that, and I'm not, I, probably people are going, yeah, I believe that, you know, 70% of health changes, health, can, health problems can be prevented by lifestyle changes. All right, but why do we resist? What's in the way? One of the things that I see most often is comfort. What we find comforting are the things that we know. And the things that we know are the things that we repeat regularly, often, all the time. So if you stop and take a look at your life and say, what are the things that I find comforting? It might be your expensive coffee that you buy from the drive through coffee place, um, the double shot caramel macchiato extra cream thing <laughs> that is full of calories and full of sugar. That might be what you find comforting. It might be alcohol or getting up and staying in your jammies and drinking coffee with lots of cream and sugar. You know, whatever, whatever you find that you go, oh, this is what I missed. This is what I need. 
Those are the things that you will repeat over and over again because you will add them to your internal, even unconscious list of this is comforting to me and it brings me peace, even if it's just for a few minutes. So the known things that we do are really important to look at. So break out a pen and a pad of paper because I'm going to ask you questions during this show that I want you to maybe write down for homework after you're all done or go back and listen to this when it becomes my podcast on Therapy in a Nutshell podcast uh, with Dr. Patricia Bay. And you can start to answer your questions because they're going to be an insight into where you need to make your changes. So what is what are your known comforting choices? Let's start with food. What are the things that you go to for comfort? It, one of the ways you can know this is let's say that you really make an effort to eat healthy and then you have a super stressful day and you go, forget it. I'm stopping and getting a cheeseburger and french fries and a chocolate milkshake. I deserve it. Are you doing that because you really like it or like how you feel? Or are you doing that because it's your go-to comfort thing? So what you do when you're stressed, you're angry, you're depressed, you're struggling, what are the things you reach for in terms of what you eat or what you drink? Write those down. Okay? Do you get home from work and have to pop open a beer or pour a glass of wine or have a drink? Those are your comfort go-to things, and it's really important for you to know what they are. Those are the things we resist changing more than anything because we feel like we're going to have to give up that which comforts us. Okay, so our resistance to change is not just about, oh, I don't want to do anything different. I I hate change, although that can be a factor in there. It's more that you're afraid to give up what comforts you. So you have to know what comforts you. It's it's really important. So let's look at it from a different angle, because looking at and figuring this out is really an important part before you even try to do anything. One of the things that COVID-19 has done for all of us is it's been a bit of an insight into who we are. What did you do during quarantine? How many times did you say, you know what, I never have time to exercise, I don't have time to cook healthy meals, I I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And then here's quarantine where you have all the time in the world on your hands. Did you start cooking the healthy meals? Did you get up and walk in the morning? Did you hop on that treadmill that has your clothes hanging on it and not being used for a treadmill? Did you alter any of those behaviors that you had said all along, I could do this if I had time? So how we behave when we were quarantined is a real insight into our soul. Did we sit on the couch, make tons of popcorn and eat ice cream and watch over Netflix over and over again, or did you use that time to shift some lifestyle things and have the time to run your life how you thought you'd want to? I'll tell you, almost everyone I ever talked to did not do healthy things when they were quarantined. Occasionally, you'll hear somebody that just knocked it out of the park, and you're like, whoa, that's impressive. But most people really dove deeper into their comfort things of food and alcohol and TV watching and staying in your pajamas all day or your yoga pants and, you know, just doing nothing, taking it as a total break and utilizing the comfort of the total break to do everything you always want to do all day long. 
How healthy was that for you? I mean, all of us joke around and say there's the COVID-19, which is the 19 pounds everybody gained while they were quarantined because all he did was eat and watch Netflix. So looking at the lifestyle changes starts with analyzing what it is you do for comfort. What are the things that are important to you? And put them into categories. Is it, if it's food, is it sugar, salt, carbohydrates? Um, if it's alcohol, what are you drawn to? How much do you need before you get that ah, relaxed feeling of this was my liquid Xanax, this is what I needed? If it's watching TV, what does it need to be? Mindless TV, a show that you can binge on and fall asleep on the couch. What are the comfort things that you look for regarding what goes into your body and what you do with your time? It's important, and it's, it's a question a lot of us don't want to answer. So you can keep this pad of paper and pen to yourself because you might be embarrassed if somebody finds it. So we're going to go to break in just a minute. But I want you, while we're at break, I want you to write down the things that you find comforting, that soothe your soul, that make you say, I just want to do more of that. And then we're going to talk about how do you want to change them. All right, so we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. You are listening to Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist, from his Ancient Voices of the Smoky Mountains CD. And this is the song, Hummingbird Brings Back the Tobacco. Ancient Cherokee lesson. Hummingbird, Walela in Cherokee. Beautiful little bird. Okay, thank you, Randy, for allowing us to use your music on this show. It's absolutely beautiful. You can go to randymcginnis.com and check out all six of his CDs. They're all different. They're all beautiful and super relaxing. Okay, we're talking about lifestyle changes. What do you need to stop and what do you need to start? It's a really good way to look at it. So during the break, I was asking you to... Make a list of the things that you like to do that you find comforting, whether it's food or drink or behavior or jammies all day or binging on the TV. What is is it that you are drawn to that you find comforting? So those are the things to write down. Now let's write down what are the things that you should probably stop doing. Those are the things you like to do. What are the unhealthy things that you've been doing that you find yourself thinking, I've got to stop eating a big, huge bowl of ice cream every night? Or, you know, I'm eating way too much bread. Or, I've got about five or six cups of coffee a day. I'm not sure that caffeine's real good for me. And I'm putting a ton of cream and sugar in every cup. Hey, you know. What are the unhealthy habits that you've got? Because it's crossed your mind a bunch of times. I need to slow this down. I need to stop this. I need to not do this anymore. Or the real famous one, I would lose a whole bunch of weight if I just stopped, fill in the blank, eating 
a bag of Snickers, tiny bites every day, whatever. You know the things that you do that are unhealthy. So jot down a couple of those of the things that you probably need to stop doing and just notice what they are. Because the hardest part about making lifestyle changes is not knowing what it is you need to do. It's getting out of your own way to accept the change and to do it differently. And by the end of the show, I want to teach you some ways to to give that a shot if you can help make something work better. All right, so what are the areas that we often need to change and know that we need to change? A big one I hear all the time is exercise. I don't exercise enough. I need to start exercising. I need to go back to the gym. I need to join a yoga class. Um, I mean to get out and walk every day, but I can't when it's hot. Or, you know, there's always a reason. So exercise is one of the biggest ones that we hear people say all the time. The next one that I hear a lot is eating healthier. I need to eat more fruits and vegetables. I need to eat less sugar. I need to stop eating so many carbs. I've been thinking about doing fill-in-the-blank, keto, um, Nutrisystem, pick a diet plan. I'm thinking about doing one of those things because my friend lost 70 pounds on that. My, I saw a commercial about it, whatever. So eating healthier is often huge on the list. So if you're putting one of the lifestyle changes you made to need to make is how to change how you eat. Be specific. Eat more of what and less of what. Another big one I hear is I need to drink less alcohol. And I'm, you know, you can listen to my podcast on addictions. I have one on pretty severe addictions for real alcoholics and drug abusers. And then I have one on those mild kind of addictions where you wouldn't call someone an alcoholic. They're not using hardcore drugs. Uh, they may be smoking too much pot. They're drinking too much alcohol at night, but it's not interfering with their relationship or their jobs much. They don't have a DUI. So I'm talking about, are, do you often think, I need to stop drinking so much, or I just need to drink a whole lot less? So put that down, too. Now put down the category that you need to do lifestyle changes for. Is it your blood pressure, weight, exercise? Is it uh, diabetes? You've got type 2 diabetes. Uh, You've got neuropathy in your feet. Um, What's going on that you say, wow, I wonder if there's a way that I could alter my lifestyle and help fix this problem? So put that problem down. Write down what you want to do better at managing. Let's look at something that I think should be on people's lists, and that's your teeth. Do you take good care of your teeth? Do you go to the dentist every six months? Do you floss your teeth every day? Do you keep them looking nice? Do you brush regularly and brush well? So put your teeth down there. Do you do anything to exercise your brain? You're saying, huh, what? It's really important that you use some time to exercise the different areas of your brain. Like I tell people they should be playing one of the free brain games on their phone or fit, fit brain or anything like that because it will exercise all 
the different areas of functioning in your brain. Long-term, short-term memory, um, abstract thinking, um, hand-eye coordination, all these different areas where these games will exercise it and you can see where your weaknesses are and you can see what you need to do to bring up that functioning. And then another place that I think people need to look at a lot is how much are you isolating? It's gotten really easy to start saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to participate. It's too much effort to get out of the house and go show up. Um, And some of that is from what happened when everybody was quarantined. When society was locked down, people got out of the habit of getting up and going to, going to meet with friends, going and walking with a neighbor, going to church, going to places that made them interact with others socially. And they started to realize that they didn't have to, so they don't anymore. The end result of that is a lot of people have gotten very isolated and lonely. And then they feel like they have to dig deep to get out of the house or to go participate in something. And they don't really want to, but they need to. And they're sad and lonely, but it's too much effort. Do you catch the downward spiral there? It's hard on people. But the isolating has become a change in their lifestyle. Often what started with everybody hunkering down in their houses because of the pandemic. So I'm asking you to really look at what is in the way of me living a bit of a healthier lifestyle. What do I need to do to eat healthier, to exercise, to interact more with other people? And what are the things I would choose to do? A big, huge issue with making lifestyle changes is people try to do everything at once. They think they can revamp their whole life, start to live as a different person almost with how they run their life and do the things that bring them comfort. And they're certain if they just start doing all those things at once, it will fall together and it will become easy to keep doing it and I'll be fine. I'll lose weight, I'll exercise more, I'll be happier, I'll be less isolated, it'll be good. The problem is, it's hard enough to do one or two of those things, let alone change a whole bunch of stuff all at once. It becomes massively overwhelming. And we have an internal resistance to change. I have a podcast on change and how you view it, how you do it, how do you resist it. And listening to that podcast on change is a really good augmentation to this here, dealing with lifestyle changes. So you're looking at yourself. What do I need to do? What do I want to do? And those are two different things. Do you need to change how you eat, how, what you drink, how, all of that stuff, because your blood pressure has been skyrocketing? Do you need to get your eating under control because your type 2 diabetes is unmanageable and you're starting to get neuropathy in your extremities, which if you don't know what neuropathy is, it's nerve pain. It's a tingling, nasty feeling, and it can happen as there begins to be nerve damage, especially from diabetes. So do you need to get a handle on your health? 
Or do you just want to live a healthier lifestyle because you don't want to develop those things? Need and want are two different things. Now, sometimes when you need and want to, that's a huge difference. Your doctor tells you, look, you need to lose 30 pounds. Your diabetes is out of control. Your blood pressure is sky high. You're putting a ton of pressure on yourself with this weight, and it is wrecking your health. So you need to lose weight. Now, maybe you want to lose weight also. You don't like how your pants fit. You don't. You look in the mirror and you think, eh, where did I go? Okay, here are the difference between need and want. The most powerful motivator is when you need to and you want to. But just because you need to doesn't make you want to. I'm pausing there on purpose. Just because we need to doesn't mean we want to. And that is evidenced by your behavior. How many times has the doctor told you we need to get this blood pressure under control or your type 2 diabetes or uh, this problem or that problem? You've got to lose some weight to be healthier. Did that motivate you to go home and just immediately, you know, throw all the junk food out of the pantry? Probably not. You probably meant I'll do it tomorrow. Manana, I'll do it tomorrow. So need to and want to are really important things. So the list I'm going to have you make at this break when we go in a minute is what are the things that I want to change and what are the things I need to change and how many of those are the same, okay? Because the lifestyle change you're going to choose to work on by the end of this show is something that you need to and want to and you're now ready to. Okay, so the real formula here is need to, want to, ready to. Without those three things, no lifestyle changes are going to be happening because you have to work at them. They don't just occur. All right, we can do this, you guys. Just keep listening, and let's see if by the end of the show we can get you headed in a direction. I'm telling you, if you can learn how to incorporate one lifestyle change into your life then you're going to pave the way for you to do another one and another and another one at a time. All right, we're going to go to break, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to another track off of it. Randy McGinnis' CD, Ancient Voices of the Smoky Mountains. This song is Ancient Voices of Shikanahay, the place of blue smoke. Shikanahay, blue, blue smoke. Just beautiful. All right, so we're talking about lifestyle changes, and I think you're getting the impression that they are difficult to make, And that's why people often resist them. But what I want to do is help set you up for some success here. All right. So a a concept that I want you to get is it is often easier to do something else, to start doing something else than to stop doing the thing that you need to stop doing. So adding a replacement behavior 
is really important. For example, if you've listened to any of my addiction podcasts, one of the things I tell people to stop drinking too much alcohol is, let's say you really look forward to that glass of wine when you get home from work. You come in from work, you drink a whole glass of water, change your clothes, get comfy. Then if you pour that glass of wine, you sip it. Because so many people, I'll tell you, pour that first glass of wine, chug it, pour the second glass of wine, and that's the one they count as their glass of wine. The first one, they don't count. I say that to people, and they go, whoa, have you been watching me? And I'm going, no, it's just what people do. I get that. So drink a big, huge glass of water so that you're not drinking because you're thirsty. You're drinking to sit and enjoy your glass of wine. And then pair that glass of wine with relaxing, doing nothing. Don't pair it with something else like turning on the TV. Really just relax and enjoy it. Then you don't have a second glass of wine right away. You drink another big, huge glass of water. If you drink a big, full glass of water, and I'm talking like 16 ounces of water, before you have another alcoholic drink, you're not going to be seeking alcohol because you're thirsty. You're going to be filling up on water, and you're going to be hydrating yourself, which you're probably dehydrated because most of us are. And you're purposely adding drinking more water. So you're not telling yourself, I can't have my glass of wine. You're just doing it in a different, healthier manner. So do you see what I mean by it's not a deprivation thing if you can't have your glass of wine after work anymore. It's that you're going to add something that's good for you, drinking more water. So let's look at the idea of putting more water back into our lives. If you get up in the morning, before you drink any coffee, you do anything else, you chug a big glass of water. You're going to hydrate your body, which can get dehydrated during the night. You're going to make sure that you are starting out the day with your water focused on your mind. Okay, It's going to help you drink more water during the day. And then you're going to do the same thing when you come home from work or when you're done at the end of the day. I'm going to drink a big glass of water. The other thing is, let's say you're home for lunch. You drink a big glass of water before you start eating. Do not underestimate how much hydrating yourself and filling up your tummy is going to help you not be super hungry and not be dehydrated and reaching for things to drink, such as sugary soda or um coffee or tea with sugar and cream in it, or things like that. If you can be hydrated and fill up your tummy some with water, it's going to help you not be as desperate as you start to eat. So there's a really good example on adding something to your behavior rather than depriving yourself and taking something away. And let's say that's the only change you make right now. I'm going to get up in the morning, drink a big glass of water. I'm going to drink water throughout the day as best I can. And when I get home from work or when I'm signaled end of the day, I'm done. I'm going to drink a big glass of water before I do anything else. And then if I do drink alcohol, after any alcoholic drink, you have another big glass of water. Alcohol dehydrates you. And it also is sugar, so it makes you crave more. So you're going to... Hydrate yourself in between each of them just to cut down on how much you're drinking just for the fluid. 
that's a super cool lifestyle change that doesn't deprive you of anything. And if you really do that lifestyle change, you can start to shift some things in your life. So from now at this point in the show until we're done, I want you to be looking for what you want to choose to be your thing to change. And by change, I mean either start doing it or stop doing it. Now, it might be that you stop doing that and start doing this. That's okay. But you're going to pick one thing, and that's it. There's an, there's an old saying that uh, if you get up and make your bed, you change your whole day. And that's true. You know, if you keep coming back into your bedroom and, you know, it's a total disarray in there, it makes it really easy to throw your clothes on the floor or toss stuff on the dresser. But when you come in and your bed is made up and it looks nice and neat, there's a part of you that wants to keep it neat. So that might be something that you're going to choose. From now on, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to drink a glass of water and make my bed. And that's the change I'm going to make for right now. I'm going to see what happens from there. All right, let's talk about the idea of how do you start this and how long do you do it? Because this is really important. There is a really cool thing about it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. So you need to do this new behavior for 21 days. And one of the ways I have people do that is I have them get a little sticky pad and I have them write... 21 on the first top one, turn the page, do 19, 18, go all the way down to day zero. And for 21 days, each day they pull off a piece off the sticky pad. So they've done, you know, five days and they're down, they keep counting backwards, okay, so they're down to number 16. What you're going to do is for 21 days, make your bed. Or for 21 days, you're going to get up, drink your glass of water, and make your bed. And that's all you're going to do for this first 21-day challenge. After 21 days, you will be so used to it. And you will have overcome that hesitancy or the I don't want to or it's going to make me late for work. Okay, seriously, how long does it take you to make your bed? Eh, two minutes? Maybe three? How long does it take you to drink a glass of water? You can be drinking your glass of water while you're putting your clothes on. So you're not adding a ton of time that will make you late. Set your alarm for five minutes earlier if you need to. But get up and do just those things for 21 days. As you get used to something that you're doing, you will crave doing it more and more. And pretty soon you won't think about it. Your feet will hit the floor. You'll make your bed, you'll drink your water as you get dressed. And it'll start to become part of who you are. Okay, so let's go a little bit further. Let's say you get out of bed, make your bed, drink your water. And this time when you get dressed, you put on your exercise clothes. So now you've set your alarm to get up half an hour earlier, that's all. You put on your something to work out and you put on your tennis shoes And you walk out the front door and you walk for 20 minutes and you come back. Or you head out to your treadmill and you get on your treadmill for 20 minutes. So you've drank your water, made your bed, and put on some kind of exercise for just 20 minutes. So you've set your alarm for an extra 30 minutes. Your your exercise clothes were laid out the night before. 
put them on, put your tennis shoes on, and you don't think about it. You go do that for 20 minutes. Then you do your normal routine of what you always did, getting ready in the morning. Now, let's say you're a stay-at-home mom or you're working from home. You still do that routine. You get up, you make your bed, you drink your water, you go do 20 minutes of exercise, then you take your shower and get dressed for the day. How good do you feel when you've gotten dressed for the day as opposed to working from home in your jammies? We think that we really like that, but what happens is the signal we're giving to ourselves is that we don't have to be productive, we can be lazy, we don't have to get things done because we can kind of hide. All right, so you're catching what I'm saying here. Little tiny changes that move you in the right direction. All right, let's look at tiny changes in terms of food, all right? Most of us need to eat less sugar. Um, what are we drawn to for snacking? Is it salty chips or ice cream? Or what is the comfort food we're drawn to that makes us want to get that and kick back and relax? What is it you feel like you should eat more of? So less of this, more of that? Be thinking about that. Because sometimes it's easier to eat less of that. Like, for example, if you're an ice cream finachiato, you can say, I'm not going to keep any ice cream in the house. If I really, really want ice cream, I'm going to go somewhere and get a great ice cream cone and enjoy it. But I'm not going to keep it in the house. Often, if you have to get in the car and go and buy an ice cream cone, you're just not going to do it. But you can if you want to. You're not being deprived. So think about something you could stop doing and something you could start doing. Like you could start eating whole wheat instead of white pasta, uh, brown rice instead of white rice. You could change your carbs to be more complex carbs like that. Let's say that's a slight change that you make. Let's say that instead of adding rice and potatoes to your meals, you add fresh vegetables that you've steamed. Okay? So little thing like that. We're not saying you can't have, but you are going to add this instead of that. Do you hear the subtlety? That's a lifestyle change. We're not looking for you to be on a diet. We're looking for you to say, it's healthier for me to eat whole grains. So I'm going to, I'm going to really try to eliminate bleached out grains and only eat whole grains. I need to eat more fruits and veggies, so I'm going to add, I'm going to start steaming my vegetables and eating some every night. That's not deprivation, that's adding to. So this isn't a diet. This is a five years from now, we want you to be eating more fruits and vegetables. We want you to be really hooked on whole wheat pasta, not, you know, white pasta. Those are little things that you can make to up your game for your life. And it makes a big, huge difference. Let's say that you're a real messy slob in your house. And you look around and you go, oh, it's such a mess around here. I hate that. And every once in a while you do some big super cleanup, make everything perfect, and you sit back and you go, oh, it looks so good around here. The kitchen's finally clean. I hung up all my clothes. I made the bed. <laughs> I changed the bed and made the bed. Whoa, everything's so nice. So what if you added to your daily routine what in our family we call the 15-minute pickup? You set a timer for 15 minutes, 
and you run around picking up everything that's out of place and you put it in a laundry basket. If it's not where it should be, it goes in the laundry basket. And at the end of 15 minutes, you have a laundry basket full of your stuff that you've been leaving everywhere and you put it away and you're done. So that's all. What if you added a 15-minute pickup to your daily routine? So I want you to be thinking little, not big. Little changes, not huge changes. All right, we're going to go to break, and we'll be back in a minute. I love this CD. Ancient Voices of the Smoky Mountains has such peaceful, beautiful music to it. Just Native American flute and a little bit of percussion in the background by Will Clipman, amazing drummer. This song is called The Great Eagle Sings. Eagle in Cherokee in Jalagi is a wohali. So this is The Great Eagle Sings. Thank you, Randy McGinnis, for allowing us to use your music. It's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. Go to randymcginnis.com and check out his six CDs. Okay, we're talking about lifestyle changes, you guys. This is Dr. Patty. And we want to talk about how to start to do this, okay? The biggest problem I see and why people do not do lifestyle changes is they try to revamp their whole life. I'm now going to eat perfectly. I'm going to exercise regularly. I'm going to set my alarm and get up early. I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing that and stop doing this. And my life will soon be perfect and everything will be fine. How's that working for you? How many times have you done that? I've never seen anybody yet just do a total revamp of their life and throw away everything they found comforting and start to have a whole new, well-organized, healthy lifestyle. I don't know if you've ever known anybody that's just done that. It's, it's rough. I hope there are people out there that can. But for most of us, you guys, we have to take this a bite at a time. Remember, how do you eat a hippopotamus? One bite at a time. Okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to pick the thing that you need to stop, and you're going to pick the thing that you need to start. Then you're going to try to do that, just that little combination, for 21 days. You're going to mark it on your calendar. You're going to put it on sticky notes. You're going to do something that is important for you to see what you're doing every day. Okay? All right. I want to give you the formula for how you begin to make some changes that will let you do these lifestyle changes. There's a thing called self-efficacy which is really important. Self-efficacy is your belief in your own capacity to produce change. So you not only have to need to, but you have to want to. And you have to believe in yourself that you're capable of producing the change. And that's one of the hardest parts because so often people say, I just can't stop eating sugar. I can't stop having a glass of wine every night when I get home. I just can't stop. Or they'll say, I just can't start. I can't get my rear end out the door to walk every day. I just can't. That I can't is the self-efficacy 
portion of making change. So I want you to explore how much do you believe that you can. So start with do I need to? The answer to that is almost always yes. Do you want to? And really answer yourself. Do you want to only if it's not painful? Do you want to only if it's not hard or it doesn't take any effort? And I think some of you are going, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Just know that, all right? Do you need to? you want to? Now, can you? Do, do you believe that you are capable of making a healthy change by stopping one little thing and starting one other little thing? Okay, so the first thing you have to do is really judge your ability to change. Next thing you need is a plan of action. What am I going to do? All right, I'm going to start drinking a glass of water every morning when I get up. Now make my bed, drink a big glass of water. I can do that. So have the glass there. Have the bottle of water by your bed. Have something that says, wake up, make your bed, drink a whole bottle of water. Drink a whole big glass of water. But have it there ready to go. Maybe even have a note that says, make your bed, drink your water. Then time management. That isn't going to take you much time, folks. All right? You might need to get up three minutes earlier. Or you might need to just stop hitting the snooze button so many times. That would work, too. But you're going to do your time management. Make sure you have enough time to do the couple little things. You've got an action plan. You've got the note sitting there right Tape to your bathroom mirror or over the toilet. I don't know. Lift the toilet seat lid up and see. Drink your water. Make your bed. It would probably make you laugh. All right. Then you're going to have some self-monitoring of your outcome. So on the calendar or on the sticky notes, every day you do it. You write done. Did it. Yay. Happy face. I don't care. Whatever you want to do that shows I did my plan for 21 days. Now, here's the piece that makes it much more likely that you're going to continue it, and that is to have some kind of social support. So let's say two or three of your friends agree that they're going to listen to this show, buy into it that they have to, they want to do something, they need to, they want to, and they're ready to, and they can. So three or four of your friends say, okay, every morning we're going to get up, make our bed, drink our glass of water, and then we're going to text each other and say, I did it. Can you imagine if three of your friends sent you a text saying they did it and you went, I screwed up, I didn't do it? It's enough to make it. most people go, well, I'm not going to be that one. I'm going to be the one who says I did it first. We're competitive that way. But the social support gives you a much higher chance of following through with your little lifestyle change. So write this down. You need a plan of action. How am I going to make it easy to do my couple little things? Time management. How am I going to allow the time to do it? How am I going to self-monitor my outcome? How am I going to record it or write it down or send a text? What's my self-monitoring going to be? And what is the social support I've lined up for myself? It's really fun and it's cool when you do it that way. So let's say you've taken... One small change. I'm going to get up, drink a big glass of water, make my bed. Then I'm going to mark it on my calendar that I did it, and I'm going to text my three friends and say, I did it. And you're watching for their text to come back. Did they do it? 
At the end of 21 days, you guys talk about it and say, how did that go? How are we doing? Then you pick another behavior. So now you've done something that was really good for you. Now you might say, all right, we, we need to pick a food we need to stop eating, and we need to pick a food that we need to start eating. We're going to stop one thing, and we're going to start something else. So let's say you and your three or four friends decide we're going to stop eating ice cream, and we're going to start adding fresh vegetables every night at dinner. And then you text each other, I did it. And you write it on the calendar, and you do that for 21 days. What it does is it very slowly and methodically raises your consciousness to how do I make changes, little changes. How do I follow through until they become habit, 21 days. How do I get the social support so it's not just me that I'm disappointing. My friends are also noticing. Okay, so now you do this next 21-day challenge and you you change something really, really cool. Like maybe it's, I'm going to stop having artificial sweeteners in my coffee, which, by the way, artificial sweeteners are linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. So you stop eating any kind of artificial sweetener. I'm going to do that for 21 days. But you are accountable to your friends. Then you pick another thing. Let's say this time you and your three or four friends say, okay, I'm going to get up, drink my water, make my bed. I've stopped eating artificial sweeteners or sugar or whatever, and I've started eating more fresh vegetables every single day. Now we're going to add a little piece of exercise. So let's say you and another friend are going to walk every morning for 20 minutes. Do you have to get together? What if she lives in a whole different state? You do it on the phone, okay? You talk on your phone to each other and go for your walk. Are all four of you that are supporting each other do a conference call for 20 minutes and you go walk together? Or even better, Live personhood, you meet and you go walk the mall or you walk the trail or you just walk the neighborhood. Your chance of doing that and showing up is much greater with the social support. All right, I'm hoping you're getting the idea that you have to take a little bite out of the hippo to make a change. You have to need to, want to, you have to be ready to, and you have to believe you can do it. That's the self-efficacy. I believe I can make this change. Then you very little bites. You stop doing something and you start doing something else. You do that a little bit at a time. And over time, a year from now, when you have incorporated those tiny changes into your life, you should begin to see results, whether it's you've lost some weight or you feel healthier or you just feel more productive or your house is cleaner, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're looking for you to be healthier and happier. Healthier and happier is really, really important, and it has become extremely elusive to so many people. I see so many people now, so much more anxiety than I ever saw for the past 30 years, so much more depression. A lot of people are just dragged down and they don't feel good about themselves, their relationships, and they're kind of spiraling down. We need to change this. I truly think a lot of it is related to um, isolation and quarantine. Uh, I saw a lot of people get severely depressed during the pandemic, during homeschooling and Zoom classes and Zoom meetings. I saw a lot of social interaction go down. 
we need to change how we run ourselves, you guys. It needs to not be staring at our electronics to be our social engagement with others. It needs to be in person more and interactive and healthier for us to become healthier and happier. That's all I want for people because it's life is tough. It's hard. And we're doing the best we can. But time to make some little changes. You're going to start something. You're going to stop something. You can do this. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here today. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty. You can listen to the show on podcast. Uh, just type in Dr. Patricia Bay Therapy in a Nutshell podcast. And it's on Spotify, Audible, iTunes, every podcast form. And it's free. I've taken the commercials out so that you can just listen to it straight through. So this is Dr. Patty, and I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.